Welcome to The Alternative Investor, the show where we discuss, debunk, and demystify all things about investing in alternative assets. All right, Brad, I got a scenario for you. Ooh, let's hear it. Okay, so you are sitting around on a Saturday afternoon. Oh, lovely. You're watching college football, and your phone rings, and your friend calls you, and she is basically saying, hey, look, I'm ready to sell my piece of property or business and I want to sell to you and I want to know if you're in because I know you've been looking for deals and hey it's going to be 10 million bucks and it's yours if you want to buy it Ooh, great phone call that's a good phone call so now you're left what do you do right you're in this you're in this scenario where you've you just a deal has just fallen into your lap it's let's call it a 10 million dollar purchase price and for the sake of this podcast it can be a piece of real estate or it can be a an operating business a private equity deal and you got to go out and get this deal done. So today we're going to help you guys understand like sort of what comes next. How you actually how are you going to go out and actually raise money to get this deal done? Yeah, this is probably the most frequent question I get actually from people that are looking to break into real estate is okay, fine, I I found a deal, but actually how do I make it happen? Yeah, and this and we're going to focus primarily on the sort of the equity raising component of this, but we'll kind of touch on some other stuff too. So um, all right, so you get that phone call. The first thing you do, you take a you take a deep breath, you finish the rest of your beer, and now you turn off your football game, and so you got to get to work, right? So the first thing, what is the first thing you got to do? Let's start with that. So you got to get your materials in order, right, Brad? So talk us through sort of what we mean by getting your materials in order. Yeah, generally, this depends on who you're going out to, but I think it makes sense to do it regardless if you're going to friends and family or high net worth or whoever, and we'll get into each of those. But you need materials. You need to show people that, look, you know, here's the deal, here are the terms, here's the returns. And, and so what, what does that look like? Well, it might be, you know, one page teaser just to, you know, whet somebody's appetite. Just a teaser, a little one page summary of the whole deal, right? Yeah. It could, it's just, Hey, here's the asset. Here's kind of just a baseline kind of return profile. Uh, here's some bullet points on, you know, the investment strategy. It's generally what's going to be in the teaser, maybe some pictures, Right. One page, you can quickly send it out. Somebody can look on it on their phone if they want and say yes or no. You know, I want to learn more. All right. You got a teaser. What else do you need? The model, the financial, the financial model. model, right? This is the, this is the fun one. Yeah. And this could be as simple as, you know, putting the math in word, right? If you're just going, if it's a smaller deal and you're just going to your buddies, right? But most likely this is going to be, especially if it's a $10 million deal, this is going to be an Excel uh, pro forma model that's going to basically model out the cash flows and the sources and uses, how much money you're putting in, uh, what is the deal comprised of, debt, equity, uh, and, and what, if you, what if you don't know how to do this? Like, well, I mean, I, we didn't really, we didn't really talk about this, but a lot, you know, a lot of folks out there don't know how to create a financial model, right? Yeah. You might still get an access to a deal. Uh, here's a, here's an idea. You can go to, you know, Upwork or you can go to some of these third-party groups that have experts in modeling. And, you know, you as the, the deal person can write together a bunch of bullet points of what you want the model to spell out or what you wanted the assumptions to be. And somebody can put together, you know, a pretty simple one-page uh, model for you. Yeah. I mean, I've... I've uh... I've never had to do that, so I've, I, I kind of asked you an unfair question because I didn't have a good answer for that either. But ho hopefully there's somebody in your network who knows how to do a financial model or you, maybe you find one online <laughs> through some, one of these freelance yeah. websites, so right? The hardest part about doing it online with a third party is that you're not going to, if you don't understand the formulas, you're not going to be able to find the errors. And that's the biggest point, right? It's like even the best you know, financial Excel ninja, right, is going to make errors from time to time. And so 
the that's the hardest part is these models is that you got to develop you know an intuition on oh that number doesn't look quite right and so you're going to have to some somebody's going to have to double check the model if you don't have experience in it yeah and maybe you should i guess maybe the best advice here is should think about getting a partner at that point yeah <laughs> think, think about bringing somebody into the deal who does have those skills because you're probably going to need him or her down the road yeah. Um, okay. So we got a teaser. We got a financial model, and finally, what do we got? I think a deck is is going to be critical. Some sort of PowerPoint deck, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, most people are going to do it in PowerPoint. Some people will do it in uh, whatever the Apple version is. I've seen, and I've seen these in like Word, just as more of a narrative, like yeah. actual copy. But I, That's I, fine. I prefer the I prefer the slide format. But essentially, it's an overview of the investment, right? Yeah, how do you put the pretty graphics, you know, in, in Word? It's not as easy. <laughs> yeah, it's very so, boring. Yeah, so these things, I, I tend to like them as short as possible. But look, if it's a complicated operating business, you're going to have, it's going to be a more detailed deck. Yeah. Uh, but I, I wouldn't, you know, I guess my point is don't send somebody a 100-page deck on this investment. Right. Yeah. The vast majority of people are not going to get through that. Uh, yeah, clear, simple, to the point, you know, call it 10 to 30 slides, I think is probably a good rule of thumb. Um, yeah, I think we maybe we did these a little out of order, right? Because if, if I were, you know, I guess yeah, you I, start with the deck. Well, I was going to say maybe you even start with the model, right? Just kind of really like get the financial returns in order. Then I, what I, well, at least that's what I do. I start with the model, then I, the model feeds the deck, and then sort of the teaser is that last thing. You just sort of summarize what's already in the deck. At least that's how I do it. How do you do it, Brad? <laughs> well, it's funny because I, you know, when I started off, I would probably go in that order, but now I try to spend as little as little time as possible on doing the the financial model until i know i have like a, a, a just a deal and good, flushed out like a good story yeah so I'll, I'll tend to focus more on the strategy because in real estate once again the the financial model is not as difficult as an operating business yeah that's a good point so right, i can do it on the back of a napkin to know if i want to do the deal or not yeah that's fair okay so yes yeah, so, so, so the order of operations is maybe a little less critical but essentially some the financial model the investment deck and then the teaser and we'll We'll sort of tell you how you're going to use these materials in the fundraising process. So that's and in the deck, let's let's talk about the deck. What what should be in the deck? Oh, good question. Um, well, you know, in a private equity deal, I don't know. I'm going to go with the following. So something about an overview of the company that you're buying. Uh, you know, what does it do? Where is it located? You know, what's the what's the core business? Uh, maybe something about the market that it plays in. So like, hey, here's the general over, overall market. Here's the competitors. Uh, you know, something around the growth strategy or the opportunity to run that business and continue to grow it if that's the plan. Like, hey, here's how we're going to actually grow customers. Maybe you dig into a little bit on the team itself and who's there already so you can kind of give investors confidence about, you know, who's in the business and, and their their competence. Do you get into, yeah. like, risks and mitigants? You know, I haven't, uh, at least maybe not in the deck itself. I think that might, we might talk about that in, in the PPM a little bit later. But I think the deck itself really tells more of a story, Um you know, oh, you just keep it positive. Huh? I always like to, you know, because I, I when I read these myself, if somebody sends me an investment opportunity, I'm, you know, I'm always thinking, okay, of course there's going to be all the good stuff, right? There, I'm not going to read anything that says like, oh, this is going to be a bad deal in the deck, usually most of these things. But then I appreciate when somebody's like, look, this is how we everything could go to shit. You know, that's a good point. I'm actually thinking about now the, the ones that we've created in you know, I, I, th I think there are always, yeah, there always is some kind of caveats in there around like, hey, like here's, here's some of the downsides or here's some, here's some risk or here's some concerns we have. Here's how we might mitigate them. Um, yeah, that is a good point. I think you, I think you probably do want it in there. Um, and of course, I think you do want some snapshots of the financial, you know, the financial metrics of the company there too, right? So like, here's kind of an overall, you know, revenue and profit over the last five years. And here's our projected revenue and profit over the next five years. 
um, you know, here's, you know, maybe here's the top, you know, top 20 customers and how much customer concentration they represent. So you'll probably put some, you'll put some numbers in that deck as well. All right. Well, what's next? Uh, okay. So that's, so those are the, th I think we've, th we kind of talked about this, right? But those are the ones we think you kind of have to have, uh, even if you're just kind of going out to folks that are kind of close to you in your network, you know, it's a good idea. But then there's some other stuff you probably will want to have if you're going out to a broader group of folks that you don't know as well. Uh, so Brad, maybe kick it off for us. What are some of the documents that you might want to get together? Yeah. So if you're going to people you don't know, and even if, you know, you're going to a bunch of friends and family, you probably should put together what's called a PPM. And we've talked about this in other episodes, but what's that stand for private placement memorandum. I gotcha. So you want to put this together. And so you disclose all of the risk of this deal and it spells out just about everything possible in the deal, the structure, uh, what you're going to invest in the, the equity, the debt, all the things you can and cannot do, right? It spells out ad nauseum all the details of the investment. And how does this how do you how does this differ from the investment deck in your opinion? I mean, I feel like the investment deck is a little bit more of a marketing document. Well, often like, the investment deck will go in the PPM itself, right? Will be a section of it, right? But the PPM is mostly going to focus on all the negative stuff and yeah, then the okay. mechanics of the business and, you know, what happens with the cash flow? What happens if the operator commits fraud? Right, it's going to cover all like the various variables, whereas the deck's only going to talk about the opportunity for the most part. Yeah. Okay. And it's okay. So then, and the, again, the PP. We'll kind of get into this a little bit later, but you don't. You might not always need to do this stuff if you're going out to maybe a really closely held group of folks if you know really well. Yeah. Um, I mean, know that they can sue you still. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Even though you're, your risk. buddies, they, if something goes wrong with the investment, they can sue you. Uh, you know, you can just evaluate that business risk whether or not you want to spend the money and get a securities lawyer and do this PPM. Well, yeah, that's a good point. It's a, it's, I think it's important to note that the first three things we mentioned, the teaser, the financial model, the investment deck, those are things you can do on your own without a lawyer. Yeah. Um, but for the PPM, you probably do want to get a securities lawyer. And then, so the second thing we're saying you might want to have is an operating agreement, right? So you're going to form, you're probably going to form a new legal entity, maybe an LLC or a C corp. Um, and that, that legal entity is going to be the, the entity that acquires that real estate or that uh, operating business. And so there's some sort of governing document for that entity. And some investors might want to see that. And so, you know, oftentimes it's called the operating agreement. Yeah. Your banker's definitely going to need to see it. So this is a, you're going to want to have this, right? As soon as you, you realize that the deal is, is likely to happen, you're going to need the operating agreement. If you're going out to a bunch of high net worth people, you're going to have to have the operating agreement up front, unfortunately. Yeah. And a lawyer can, will walk you through everything you need, yeah. right? And then um, the subscription agreement, talk a little bit about that. The subscription agreement is just usually a section of this larger PPM that we're talking about, right? And that's just where you sign, the investor signs on the dotted line. It says how much money they're putting in the deal, uh, how many shares that equates to. And it also has this section on the investor in terms of their background, their investment experience. So if somebody were to sue you someday saying, hey, I didn't know what, what I was getting into, you have the subscription agreement that details all this stuff about how they were educated, they were signing off on all of these, you know, possible risks. Yeah, and it gives you it's a jet, get out of jail free card if the deal should go awry. But it, it formalizes the the transaction itself too, right? It's like yes. everything up to this point is something like, hey, here's a deal. Do you want in? And this one's like, hey, I am going to give you this amount of money. I'm going to get this many shares. Yeah, or this much interest in the LLC. So yeah, if it was just a smaller deal, uh, friends and family, maybe everybody's just signing the operating agreement, right? And so you're all joint venture partners. But if it's a larger deal and you're going out to high net worth people and you have a PPM, 
then you're you also have the subscription agreement, and that's what everybody is signing versus the operating agreement. Yeah, and I think again the important the important point to note here is yeah, talk to a lawyer about all this stuff. Don't don't listen to us. On, we're not the experts on that. Yeah, uh, please don't sue us. We're just <laughs> we're just trying to help. Oh yeah, we we really are. We have good intentions here. Okay, so you got your teaser, you got your financial model, you got your investment deck. And maybe you have some of these other legal documents. Maybe you don't. So what do you do? So now you got to raise. We, you know, the the example here is you got to raise ten million dollars to buy your friend's company or your friend's piece of property. I would go first to my friends and family, right? So these are the people that you know the best. They trust you already. There's sort of an there's a relationship there. You know, you, you're not having to get over that initial hurdle of like, hey, here's who I am and here's what I'm doing. You know, hopefully they already know that you're out there looking for deals or this is the kind of work you want to be doing. So there's some there's some basic baseline competence there or trust there. But this is going to be probably your, your highest hit rate, right? Yeah, you would think. Unless you you literally told them about how you want to, your dream is to be a, you know an actor. And you've been working on that for 10 years. And all of a sudden, they're sending, you're sending them a, this deck on a private equity deal. <laughs> maybe, they'll, maybe they'll be impressed that you've pivoted yeah, to such a more, a more lucrative career opportunity. <laughs> yeah, but the, you know, the nice thing here is that you have already greased the wheels with these people. They know who you are. They they're reasonably sure you're not going to abscond to Mexico with their cash. And they believe in you. They want to support you. They want to see good things happen to you. So generally speaking, this is going to be the lowest hurdle for people to write checks. Of course, you know, you got to decide how comfortable you are with putting, you know, your friends and your family's capital to work. This better be a good deal. <laughs> yeah. You're, these, these are going to be your friends and family the rest of your life. Or, or maybe, maybe not your maybe friends. Not. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe at not. At least your family. Your family probably still love you. Yeah. I, I know, and I know folks who won't take money from their family, right, for that very reason, right? It's just, it's a very sensitive subject. So Yeah. So yeah. I uh, initially was very anti-friends and family. Well, one being one of my first deals I did, I took uh, just a small real estate property in my 20s. I took a friend's uh, check, 20 grand, which... You know, is not a lot of money now per se for an investment, but back then it might as well have been ten million uh, to a twenty-two-year-old. And you know, I sweated that investment every day. Yeah. Right. So it would have been, you know, looking back, I would have been way happier if it was some random high net worth person. But once again, it is a lot easier to raise money from friends and family. But you just have to, you know, weigh how comfortable you are with that and how much money they have. And it, is it going to strain the relationship in any way if it yeah. goes bad? Yeah. By the way, this also presupposes that your friends and family, family actually have money. So if, if you, true. If, you, if your friends and family don't have any cash, you might want to just skip this step. But, uh, you know, and, I, and in, terms, in terms of actually like the, the mechanics of how you're going to go do this, right? I, and this is where we're going to talk about the teaser, the deck, and the model is generally the way I've done it in the past is, you know, you start off with just a simple email, right? So, hey, look, here's a, here's a deal that I'm looking at or that I've currently got under LOI. I'm attaching a teaser, you know, so maybe you attach that one-page teaser to the email. Maybe you include some salient deal points uh, in the email itself, like, hey, here's kind of the three or four reasons why I think this is really interesting. If this is up your alley and you want to learn more, let me know, right? So just you know, keep it simple, keep it clean, uh, attach that teaser. I don't, you don't need to necessarily attach the full deck and the full financial model at this point. You just, you're going to be gauging interest. Um, okay, so Brad, what are the pros and cons of taking money from family? Well, we kind of talked about the cons. I mean, the, the one con, of the, yeah, the cons are they're your family and your friends. Yeah. Sorry. What, the, the one of the pros or, is that you know, because they trust you and they, like we said, they want to support you, they're going to do a lot less due diligence and they're going to sign quicker usually uh, than somebody who you never met before. Yeah. So I, I bought an operating business in, uh, I don't know, probably four, four years ago, and we raised money strictly from friends and family. And, you know, that was... 
it was nine phone calls, right? So my partner and I, we, we called some of our, our high net worth friends. And I guess I didn't get any of my family involved. It was just friends. Um, but it was, it was very smooth. It was easy. I mean, there's a couple of phone calls each, you know, maybe they want, a couple of them wanted to look at the model, but it just, it just goes really, it could go a lot faster. Totally. Uh, and then, you know, funny enough, one of the cons is that they also are not going to do a lot of due diligence. They're not going to, because they trust you, they're not going to go into all the weeds and they're not going to be like another set of eyes for you probably. Yeah. And that's right? not always a good thing, right? That's not always a good thing, especially if it's your first deal. You know, sometimes it's nice to have somebody say, Hey, this is a bad deal. Yeah. They you tell you all the ways you're going to screw up. Yeah. Okay. So that's, and let's, so let's say you've done that. You've gone to your friends and family. You've sort of exhausted that group. I would say the next best option is to probably ask for warm intros from your friends and family to people that they know and trust. And so this might be sort of a, you know, one layer removed from your friends and family. But oftentimes, if you don't have a rich uncle, uh, one of your friends might have a rich uncle and that, and it's always nice to have a warm introduction. Yeah, that rich uncle. That's a, that's a yeah, good thing to I have. I wish I had one. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. What do you think? That, that, that's no, that's the, fair. That would be the next layer I would go yeah. to. And okay, so let's say you've exhausted that, right? You've gone to your friends and family. You've gone to the, the sort of the first degree connections of your friends and family. Now you need to expand outside of your personal network. Um, this is probably where you're, you're where you'll want to have those legal documents we talked about, right? Once you're kind of going outside of people that you know or people that you trust or you had warm interest to, it's a good idea to have those other legal documents. Yeah, because your friends and family, you can have kind of like a two-page, you know, Word doc, right? If you really wanted to for a $1 million deal. Uh, but if you're going to high net worth people that are used to seeing these types of investments, they're going to expect a certain set of documents uh, in order to feel comfortable the, about the investment and that you know what you're doing and that they have uh, recourse, you know, to get their capital back in case you, you know, commit fraud or die or what have you. They want to figure out, uh, you know, that you have an attorney involved here. So uh, if you're going out to this universe, you have to have your docs in order. Now, who are these people? Well, they could just be random high net worth people, high net worth individuals, but you're also going to likely, you know, want to reach out to, you know, people that you have a secondary relationship to, right? Maybe it's um, an alumni group, um, you know, your college that you went to, right? Maybe there's a, a listserv. Yeah. Like I know some schools just have these informal listers, right? Where you can say blast the group like, Hey, I'm looking for a job in Denver, Colorado. Anyone know anybody? And this might be the kind of a, this might be appropriate for that kind of, this kind of thing, right? Where you throw a deal out there. Yeah. Cause you know, people are hungry for these deals, especially right now, right? The stock market in December is tanking. People are looking at alternative assets. Uh, everybody wants to put their money in great deals. So you're, you're doing people a favor when you, when you show them, hey, here is a great deal would you like to invest in? So don't be shy about sharing it. Uh, so you can use LinkedIn groups too are effective for this. You know, people that have raised their hand and say, hey, I want to be a member of the, the private equity investment group, right? Maybe 20,000 people. So be, yeah, I've never know. done this. Like what I, I haven't either. So there but are, I know uh, groups that yeah. have. There's 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 there are fo there's high net worth individuals that are sort of on LinkedIn that are looking to do deals, and it, you know, there's no reason you couldn't find a deal there. Yeah, and there's specialty specialty websites like uh, Bigger Pockets for real estate, right, where you have just a sea of people that are interested in real estate investing. Some are sponsors, deal people, and other people are just passive investors that want to find deals. Yeah, and then you have these crowdfunding websites, right? And we, you know, we keep alluding to these, and we're probably going to do an episode on these at one point. Um, I think you know more about these than I do, Brad. But essentially, there there are plenty of websites out there where you can sort of list deals, right, and actually get you know raise money for those deals. Yeah, this is going to be a little harder for first time 
uh, sponsors because you know generally these crowdfunding websites are going to do due diligence on the sponsor and they would rather have experienced sponsors that are going out to their network yeah. of investors. Yeah, they're generally not they're like that you were just watching football and got a random call from yeah, your friend. Okay, that you gotcha. you know you didn't get that part and so you uh, <laughs> yeah so you, you decided your to, acting career decided to make a private equity investment. So the, these firms though there are some especially the ones that are emerging that uh, are trying to gain market share, they will be, are more open to new sponsors, especially if, you know, there's a good story, it's a great deal. Maybe you brought in another person to, you know, shore up your gaps in your resume, right? Uh, which is something you should be thinking about anyways. Yeah, and I think, I think these are more common for real estate than private equity. I mean, again, I just, I only have a cursory knowledge of these, but the, the private equity crowdfunding sites that I've seen are typically geared towards owners of businesses that are looking to raise growth capital to continue to grow their business. And so there's just more predictability and certainty around the team and who's running the business. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know as much about these in terms of, Hey, I'm, I'm actually going to buy a, buy an operating business and take it over and be the new owner. Of course, we're recording this in 2018. So I think, you know, 2022, yeah, there'll who be, a, there'll be a bunch of these. I, yeah, I think that we might start one. Hey, that's a great idea. So, uh, yeah, no, I think these will be more prevalent. And here you're just, you're, you're trying to paint a story, right, about why this is going to be a great deal and why you're the, the right team to do it. And so, you know, this is going to require a different level of sophistication, different level of document, you know, professionalism uh, versus obviously your friends and family and even just random high net worth people in your alumni group. Yeah. And so, okay, so another group you might want to look at is family offices, right? So family offices are essentially pools of capital, you know, managed by a family. Uh, maybe it's, you know, great-grandfather started an oil well or, found, you know, struck gold in, in, in Southern California back in 1927. In Southern California, wow. Yeah. I don't remember a lot of oil wells here. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're everywhere. Yeah. Um, and so now, you, you know, that family has $100 million, and so now the grandson, all he's doing with his life is investing that money. And so... Uh, these these folks can make good investors, right? Because they're they're usually sort of patient, kind of longer term investors. Um, they're looking for deal flow just like anyone else is. Again, I think it's always it's always best if you have a warm introduction to a group like this. But there's a lot of these out there. I mean, you could find them online. Um, I'm sure you could just start googling. But you know, Brad, I think you mentioned that you even you bought a directory of these folks at one point, right? Yeah, I actually haven't even used it yet, but I have you know paid for. Um just a random, you know, uh, list of family offices, addresses, emails. Uh, but I haven't had the right deal for these family offices. They're really more of a needle in the haystack kind of uh, group. You got you to gotta really call a lot of them to find the right one that's going to invest in your kind of deal generally. Have you ever taken money from a family office? Uh, I haven't. Yeah, um, I, haven't, I haven't either, so I don't have personal experience. Yeah, with. so I'm not speaking real intelligently right now. Yeah, uh, okay. I, I've done family offices. story office. of my life. Huh. I've done family office deals with joint venture partners when I wasn't a principal. And, you know, so I know a lot about them. It's just that, you know, they're generally are going to be way more professional than just a, a group of high net worth people. They're going to want more control usually on the deal in case something goes wrong. They may want some decision rights in case uh, you want to refinance or sell the property or, or company, right? Versus a high net worth person or your friends and family they're not going to have much control at all. They're basically going to, going to be beholden to whatever you do. No, that's a good point. If you think about the sort of degree of control that an investor is going to want to have on a, on a range or a spectrum, you know, you, maybe your friends and family are going to have very little control. They don't care so much. They say, hey, just cut me the check whenever you get, you know, whenever you make money. 
and then you have the you know the family offices might be more in the middle where they're gonna they, they're gonna want some degree of control they're gonna want to you know they're more professional more sophisticated and then maybe on the opposite end of the spectrum is you're gonna have these you know professional investing firms right so like an a- actual institutional money that their job is to invest money and they've raised pools of capital and those are always an option too right except you're again you're gonna give up a lot of control correct yeah there you're going to compress the timeline generally they're not going to be like a family office could in theory do a deal for forever they can hold it forever right because they're thinking about generations for their cash flow investments whereas a private equity group is usually going to have their own money is going to be kind of five to ten year investment holds and so they're not going to put money into your deal that's 15 years right so they're going to have uh, more requirements on the documents they're going to be a little nastier, a little sharky, more sh- more shark-like than, say, your friends and family in the family office people. Yeah, I mean, they're pros. Yeah, they're pros. This is, yeah. I mean, this is what they do for a living, right? They invest in these kind of deals, and so you're, you know, you're. I would say if you're going to raise money from a group like that, a real professional kind of investor, just expect to essentially give up, <laughs> give up control of the deal, and they're going to they're going to be able to call the shots. Yeah, and they're also going to want a much higher deal size, right? They they probably you're not going to these guys for a five million dollar deal. I'm sorry, you're definitely not going to them for a five million dollar deal. You're probably not even going to them for a ten million dollar deal. But yeah, once you get to kind of the lower threshold, twenty yeah. twenty, they start to really uh, look at those check sizes. Yeah, and obviously everything we're talking about here, you know, we caveat with sort of the deal quality, right? If this is a great business or a great piece of property, uh, you're obviously much more likely to raise money for it. Um, okay, so we have professional investors. We have uh, your alumni groups, LinkedIn groups, uh, family offices, crowdfunding websites. Um, what about just professional services firms? You know, you got accountants, wealth managers, lawyers. I mean, these are folks around town that, I, you know, you can use to, uh, to get introductions to folks that might be interested in deals, right? Yeah, real estate lawyers can be decent at this, right? Because they have they deal with a lot of real estate investors. If you have a real estate deal and you want to find capital for it, you know, sometimes your real estate lawyer will even put money into it, him or herself, uh, or they'll put their you know intro, intro you to their clients, and then private wealth managers. Yeah, that's a sticky one, I guess, right? Because they're they're going to want to be really careful with what they recommend to their clients. Yeah, this one's tough because. Their their clients view them as an advisor, right? And hey, what should I do with my money? And if they give you, if they give their client a deck on on your private equity deal, and it goes awry, they don't just blame you. <laughs> they they're gonna the client's gonna blame their private wealth manager. Like, hey, you put me in this deal. You yeah. sent me that deck. Yeah. Right. And so they don't get fees on it too, uh, like they do if you just if they invest, you know stocks and bonds that's true right? i mean i you know i almost I, if, if there are any private wealth managers out there listening to us which you know there could be one or two we'd be curious how do you how do you think you know how do you respond or how do you think about if someone you know and you trust comes to you with a, a one-off opportunity like this where it's a it's a private equity deal or a real estate deal yeah let us know i mean i have some wealth managers that that put their clients money have put their clients money with me but oh, it's really? just it's okay. harder um it's certainly they're the exception yeah right yeah. but but they've decided that hey we're going to we're going to distinguish ourselves from these, you know, robo-advisors, the wealth fronts of the world. Uh, we're going to add additional services. And, and some of these wealth managers will advise on private equity investments because they want to separate themselves from just, you know, vanilla wealth managers. Yeah. But I, lawyers and accountants are great for this kind of thing. If, assuming you know lawyers and accountants and you have close relationships with some of them, I mean, they, they know a lot of people 
Um, and they know a lot of details about a lot of people. Yeah. So they, they would know, you know, they might know someone in town or someone in the area who would want to do this kind of a deal. So yeah. definitely reach out to them as yeah, well. Yeah, like Jim or Sue has, uh, I do their tax return every year and I, I, I process boatloads of money. They 50 just, yeah. different K1s from all their real estate and private equity investments. And look, they have $20 million of cash sitting in the bank. And I feel like lawyers and accountants are less likely to kind of, hey, you need to cut me in on this somehow, right? They're much more, they just seem to be much more kind of on the, like transparent, like, oh yeah, I'll, you know, I'll check and see if they want to, you know, want to do this deal. Well, Whereas, especially if they want your business, right? If yeah, If they exactly. want to do the documents for your business. Whereas I think like deal folks, if you're going through them, are going to want, they're always going to be like, they're going to want a handout or a Oh, there's fee. always a referral fee. Always a referral fee, yeah. So be careful of those folks. Um, okay. Yeah. And then ultimately, you know, basic networking is always important, right? So like, you know, just getting out there, beating the, you know, beating this pavement is beating the pavement. Is that an expression? I don't even know. Pounding the pavement. Pounding That's what the, I'm pavement. Yeah, stop, pound the stop pavement. beating the pavement. Yeah, you wouldn't, what is, yeah, don't do that. Geez. It's going to hurt. Uh, but do pound the pavement and, uh, you know, talk to as many folks as possible who you think might be interested in deals like this. Ask for introductions, ask for recommendations. You know what one we didn't think of? Like a, we didn't even write it down a private placement. Yeah. You can agent. hire people to you do this. You can hire right? people That's to do this. Yeah. It's yeah. so silly of us. Yeah. Um, Generally, they have to be a broker dealer. They have to be licensed to do this. Yeah. Speak a little about that. I think you know more about that than I do. Yeah. Well, they just have to be licensed. They can't. You can't just. Uh, you know, look. If you have a buddy that, hey, I'm going to use my Rolodex and I'm going to, you know, shoot uh, your deal to all my network, and anybody that comes through my network, you're going to give me, you know, five percent. You can't do that unless that person is a broker dealer and is licensed. Uh, with the SEC to go ahead and, and accept commissions for fundraising. Yeah. Okay. So you're, yeah, these are people you're going to have to pay. Yeah. So a placement agent, you want to make sure they're licensed as a broker dealer. They can you can pay them and and not get a lawsuit from the SEC. That'd be good. But the, yeah, there's a bunch of these firms, and they you know they're going to screen your deal because they're not going to shop you know bad deals to their group of investors, right? At least the the good ones won't. So they you know they'll take your deck. They'll actually advise you. Right it, on structure. If you if they think your structure's out of whack from market, right. So in, when I'm saying structure, I mean the returns that are going to go to the investors mm-hmm. versus you, the sponsor. Uh, and then they'll they'll send out your deck to to their group, and they'll they'll field initial phone calls, and they'll set up meetings for you for follow up, you know, more detailed calls on the deal. Uh, and then any investors that come through them, right, they're going to get a fee, and generally it's. You know, three to five percent these days. Is, is, that what, is that what it is? Three to five percent for, for yeah. Get, well, like capital. for smaller, okay. You know, amounts that they're raising. Okay. I mean, some people wow. will charge seven percent. Yeah. But, uh, if you're doing a hundred million, then it's one percent, right? It just depends on how much money is involved. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. So those are just a sample of groups and folks that you might want to go out to and raise money from. I'm sure there's lots more. If you do think of more, let us know. Yeah. Unfortunately, we're, it's not. We just, always find this interesting. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, it's not just a like an obvious. Oh, this is the source you go to every time, right? It's it depends on the type of deal. It depends on the cost of capital, right? The the returns you're projecting, right? You got to fit the the deal to the, the the bucket of capital that it works for. Yeah, and in in terms of what to expect, right? Well, let's just touch on this briefly, Brad. But you're you're asking well, people for a lot of money, you're going to get a lot of questions, right? So you're going to get, you know, be prepared to answer these questions, right? So you're going to get, you know, thoughtful people who are going to test your assumptions. They're going to look at your deck and look at your model. And they're going to ask you questions about, Hey, why did you assume this? Or what happens in this scenario? Or what if this doesn't, you know, what if this doesn't play out the way you think it's going to play out? And that's all good, right? That's going to, that's going to test your conviction and test your understanding of the deal. Yeah, this is, this is very interesting. And I don't think you get very good at this until you've done it a number of times, right? The first phone calls are going to be bad. 
So <laughs> you might want to front load like your good friends uh, yeah, or yeah, the people uh, that aren't gonna judge you. your family or the guys that you know are going to write the smallest checks. You might want to save the big checks, the whales, until uh, the end because you're going to actually, you know, people are going to ask, some people are going to ask very similar questions. And so you'll, you'll get a kind of a canned answer, right, that you prep for on those questions. And then there'll be plenty of questions that just come out of the woodworks. You're like, oh, man, I haven't even thought of that. Right, right. That are, that are great questions that are going to cause you to think a little differently. Yeah. And, and so you, I think the key here is that you, you got to know your deal cold, right? You're not expected to, you know, be an encyclopedia and have everything memorized to the decimal point. But know your deal and know your structure. You don't want to – and know your documents. You don't want to be uh, saying things that are different than your documents that these people have read. Yeah, good point. And, uh, you know, I find this to be true. I'm curious how you think about this. But these this is a – a nuanced uh, situation when you, you're asking for money for a deal, you believe strongly that this is a good deal, or you wouldn't be asking for money for it, and people are asking you good, thoughtful questions, and you want to give them, you want you want to be transparent, you want to be honest in your answers, but let's be honest, like you're also sort of marketing this deal. And so, you know, there's a little bit of an art here in sort of how you how you talk about the, the negatives or the bad parts of your deal, and I think that's that's also something you you just get better at over time. Yeah, and I think conf- confidence really helps here. And not needing the money, right, from that every call that you make helps too, right? So if you kind of come from the vantage point of, hey, I I believe in this deal. I know if I talk to enough people, I'm going to raise the money. Then you don't have to oversell or or try to you know hide things that you think sound bad. You can just be open, honest about about the deal, about the risks. And that's going to come off across to the investor as, oh, this person's very thoughtful. Yeah, they know the deal. They they know the risks. That's They're not just point. a promoter. Yeah, right. Don't don't answer every question with, oh, that's not a problem. Or, yeah, no, we got that covered. Or that's not going to happen. That's right? the quickest <laughs> way to turn somebody off. Yeah, right. You, you do want to be honest. I don't uh, think anybody really wants to be sold when it comes to wiring two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Nobody really wants to be sold. They want to sell themselves. Right, they want to believe that you're, you know, you're going to be a great steward of their capital. Uh, whereas, like, if you're buying a, you know, you're buying a vacation or timeshare, you, that person needs to be sold. Right? <laughs> you know what I mean? You got to trick that person into buying the timeshare. Here, you know, you're doing a good thing from them. They're they're going to get to put their money to work in a great investment, and you're going to do all the work. So it's a great deal from them if it's a good investment. So to me, I I'm always from the mindset as hey. My deal's not for everybody, but there's plenty of people that want to, you know, put their money to work in, in that particular niche and that investment. I just need to find them. And so I come up, come at it from the standpoint of I'm not trying to sell anybody. I'm just answering questions and and trying to, you know, talk about the the pros and the cons of the deal and let them decide. Yeah. Yeah, ultimately, this is a big deal. You're asking people for their hard-earned cash. This is different than asking someone if they want to go out to dinner with you, or if you want to, if they want to babysit your kids, right? This is money that's on the line. So, you know, be thoughtful about this. Take it seriously. It's a stressful process, but it's also it's a very kind of it's an illuminating process, and you start to really you know you understand yourself better and how you respond to situations with high stress and where money is on the line. Um, and it's not easy. I mean, there's a lot of moving pieces. You're also running diligence on these deal on the deal as you're raising money for it. But it's 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 highly rewarding, especially if you get the deal done. Totally, and yeah. and it's very you know it's one of these things where it's a skill that you'll keep forever, right? And if you can raise money, you can do deals the rest of your life. Okay, well, good luck, and let us know if you do get that call from your friend who's selling a ten million dollar property or, or company. Uh, let us know. Yeah, right? if you if you don't want to do all this hard work, <laughs> give, give us a shout. We'll, we'll right. do it. We'll do it. Good luck out there. 
Thanks for listening to The Alternative Investor. Since you made it this far, you should take a second to subscribe to the podcast and join our email list. There, you'll receive additional insights and insider access to the world of alternative investments. Just visit thealternativeinvestorshow.com.